0: louder and what's up everybody and welcome back to hypodermic the pod that sticks you deep i'm the pod boss tj bowser and Johnny me as always is the dawn of disaster the maestro of mayhem the man himself mr nick benson what's up buddy how's it going man better now that you are here today we have a doozy of an episode in a very special guest nick take it away
1: absolutely so uh our guest today is a gentleman that i met uh right around 2020 2021 ish um he is a, a composer for film video and all things music uh alexander taylor is our guest today
2: hey how's it going guys how you doing good 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 man just uh you know working as per usual back in the studio as per usual i slept here <laughs> yeah so but you as know
1: composers do
2: <laughs> oh yeah no i have a little bed right in front of where the camera is right now i i yeah. crash here a lot
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, well, that's sometimes that's the work, huh?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I love it. I was up till about six last night working on something, and, you know, if I didn't love it, it would be torturous, but, like, I wouldn't do anything else. I, I couldn't, I can't do anything else.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, what's kind of cool about what you do is, I, you know, I actually visited a studio today. Uh, we're getting ready to do some um, some interesting sort of live performance stuff with some guests that we have. And uh, being there and remembering like everybody, lots of people have home studios now and they do a lot of things from their homes. But mm-hmm. sitting there with those guys for a few hours today and and talking about that whole environment, it's almost like church. You know, you kind of go in and it's a collaborative effort and it's much more creative. The whole outside world shuts down and there's just you, the creators, whether it's producers, mixers, musicians, all working together for a, for a common goal and uh you know i kind of missed that so it was it was really an interesting visit today but uh it kind of worked out with having you here today because i really wanted to talk about what you do and what the history uh of yours led up to what you do so that we understand you know really where you come from
2: totally man well um should i just start with how i got into composing then i yeah guess?
1: actually let's let's go back you know what what kinds of things inspired you as a child or you know as you whether it was a teenager or even earlier like i i had things inspire me when i was even younger so just take us back to those early early age early age as you took inspiration from anything and it oh, sort of led you down that path we want to know more about that
2: yeah well um so when i was probably way too young i saw halloween um i was actually michael myers for the third grade uh for halloween and uh my teachers were like have you seen that movie i was like (laughs) yeah totally Shit, kick bobbing my head in that like really gross smelling rubber mask (laughs) but um you know i just i loved it uh I, i saw the edited for tv version with my mom my mom's really cool she never really like kept me away from like you know like bad music or music with bad lyrics or you know i got to watch movies pretty much just like cover your eyes if there's nudity it was pretty much the only rule when i was a kid um but uh so like from that on from then on like i started kind of like getting into like like i would play piano just like for fun i never took formal lessons um and that's when i picked out the halloween theme um and then from that point <laughs> forward, anytime I found any instrument, I would make sure. Guilty. Yeah. I would that yeah, <laughs> on everything I could find. Yeah. I annoyed the hell out of it, especially my stepmom. Um, but I mean, they now see why I was doing it because I just, I fell in love with it, man. I mean, you know, it's especially working in horror, it's kind of inescapable uh not to mention john carpenter and his influence um especially you see that now with like the 80s throwback craze that's been going on ever since 2015 just about hell maybe even earlier i guess drive kind of maybe started that in 2012 2011 Mm -hmm. yeah but um i don't know there's just something really cool about carpenter um he is not formally trained i can relate to that i actually never studied composing in college or anything i wanted to be a rock star
1: yeah we Um, have that in common
2: Yes, we do. I see your, your guitars and your bass back. there. That's beautiful, man. Um, but yeah, um, but getting into composing, um, it was weird. So because I wanted to be a rock star all throughout high school, um, I was in a bunch of bands, obviously. and I kind of fell in love with, like, with acting and just general entertaining, and like I did our I started like a school news program, so I kind of fell in love with like, editing and directing. Yeah. Then I went to Wright State, which is a college in Dayton, Ohio, that no one's heard of, but um, hmm. it was a great—it's a great film school. Um, you know, it was—it was kind of—it was super competitive. You start off like hundred people, and by junior year, they cut down to ten maximum. Wow. So you had to be good. You had to be dedicated. You had to be well read. You had to like psychoanalyze films. You had to—we had to edit with scissors and tape. So, so
1: selective,
2: like, right? oh, yeah, very selective. Um, but I made it through and I ended up directing. But all throughout that time, I was always writing music for all of my original films and kind of word got around at the film school, like, oh, do you need like a free score? Yeah. So like everyone asked me to score their film <laughs> and like, I loved it. And I, I, you know, I that was always my favorite part. And it was so much fun that i never thought you could make a career doing it because it was too much fun right and then um so i ended up graduating from college having scored like 20 short films and wow. i didn't realize like how rare that is even if you're studying music to have that already in your belt so i moved down to la and i was still pursuing like you know directing i wanted to still get into that it was kind of like on my shoulder um So I got a job at a cartoon company just doing something. They were doing like a live shoot for the weekend um, with uh, Terry and his company, Wonder Grove. Uh, He did like the Rugrats, Wild Thornberries, Rocket Power, all these Nickelodeon shows that I grew up loving. The good stuff. Exactly, (laughs) I love that stuff. Um, So you know, at the end of the weekend, I was just kind of a PA on set, just getting coffee and stuff for everybody. And he's just like, Yeah, is there anything else you can do? And I was like, I guess I can do sound. He said, All right, come in Monday, we'll see what you got. So I came in, and I remember our first project was with the Girl Scouts of America. And you know, my the production manager at the time, Ryan Cannon, was like, Yeah, just put any music in there, you know, it's just for internal use only, so you can use whatever. And I ended up plugging in a track that I wrote for a short film that is escaping that i can't remember the name of it at the moment but anyway they uh, ended up really loving it and terry was like hey where did you get this music and I was like, <laughs> actually I, I wrote it he's like you want to be our composer and i was like sure and that's kind of how it started and that was within a couple months of moving out to la and
1: that's awesome
2: i have never looked back since you know as much as i sometimes miss being on set I much rather be in the studio writing every day and I love it.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. Um, Kind of, kind of um, step me through some of the films that you've done and, and what you've like, you have, you have such a creative, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I know you well and our audience really doesn't. So mm-hmm. like, I want I want to kind of step through your your resume so to speak and sure. and uh, talk about different things you've done different methodologies you've used mm-hmm. in different projects because I know that I know that that creative process is completely different in every one of these projects.
2: Totally, I think that's the beauty of it, especially in horror. I say this a lot, but it's it's true. Um, horror kind of gives you the longest leash to like experiment and try different things with because like it's such a wide like sonic palette you can use like you can go fully electronic you can go you know old school bernard herman orchestral you can do a hybrid of the two you can do these weird new sort of like sound designy like sophisticated sound design scores kind of like in the witch or um the score from that new film smile yeah Uh, which i i do enjoy doing things like that as well though i do miss melody, Um, like being able to do melody. A lot of people in uh, short films, especially nowadays, don't really want as much melody. Um, But uh, if we're talking about specific projects, uh, I guess the biggest one, and this is how you and I met, was uh, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, Uh, that documentary. um, Easily one of the greatest things I've worked on. might even end up being the best thing I've ever worked. Great
1: on. Great soundtrack too. Thank
2: you, man. I really appreciate that. That was a lot of fun. I got to play. Uh, I got to play in the '80s tones, um, considering it kind of takes place. The whole documentary tells Mark Patton's story. It's got
0: some badass releases. The soundtrack, hasn't it? Yeah,
2: Yeah, we, have, yeah we got vinyls. Uh, we got cassettes. Um, you know, CDs. Uh, getting your music stamped on vinyl is like any musician's dream. I'm sure.
0: And especially right now with the physical media revival going on with uh, music, with, you know, like you said, vinyls and cassettes, that right now is the time to do it all. And oh, yeah. yeah. And Just it's cool. Your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, let them show all the uh, video viewers out there. It is truly something to marvel at.
2: Uh, look at <laughs> I that. Had, I had to grab it, and it's like a hot pink vinyl, which I yes. yeah,
1: Maybe yeah that's awesome
2: <laughs> this is like the first run it actually sold out so they did a second run um with like more of like a cotton candy colored vinyl and of course the hot pink because people really mm. love that
1: you had hot pink cassettes at one point too didn't you
2: we had yeah we have hot pink and green cassettes did i send you a cassette too no Oh well, I gotta do that then.
0: <laughs> the slip, the slip cover for the blue, uh, ETR Media Blu-ray is also hot pink, just like that. So.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah. Blu-ray I, I just got that a few months ago. Uh, the director Roman was kind enough to send it to me. It's gorgeous, man. It's just really cool seeing your stuff like out and about, like in the I'm world. Sure, you seem to dig it's,
1: it. Yeah, it's something. It's something we talk about frequently on the show. Here is is that, and that's really what it's about at the core. The show is about all of us artists that come together for sort of a common or a, you know, a collaborative project in the film, film world being a very collaborative art um, and how that all comes together. And I think it's important that, that our audience understand what goes into that and, you know, all of the diversity and diverse things that have to happen to make a film what it is. So it's important, like sound and music are, are, in my opinion, two of the most critical elements of any film.
2: That's nice to hear. I'm glad. I hope more people think that.
1: (laughs) Well, it's important to bring that. Like, really, I I would love to do maybe maybe someday we can do an episode like that where we can show a film that's stripped of its soundtrack and you can really see how boring it can be.
2: (laughs) I mean, yeah. Back to John Carpenter yeah. again. He yeah. famously tells this story about how the first test screening of Halloween was a disaster. People left and they said it was the most boring thing they've ever seen. They didn't understand why it was made. Right. He didn't have the score in there. Second one, they had the score in there. And it became what it became. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I know it's true. I mean, there are some videos where they strip out the music from Star Wars and it's it's kind of hilarious in its own way because you're just like it just seems yeah goofy yeah. I mean, the music.
1: I mean, score is one thing but you know anything from sound effects to even even ADR which a lot of people in our audience may not understand is that's a dialogue replacement. There's a lot of times you don't get what you need in the field so you have to re-record it. And you have to do that in a studio environment. And it's it's not easy to put that stuff back in cleanly um and it takes true artisans to do that and mm-hmm. one one of my favorite things about you alex is you know you you being a, a primarily horror composer you have like the coolest fucking tool set to work with because like the greatest thing about horror is you get to play with things that people wouldn't necessarily think are tools you know exactly. i mean think back to like what was it in the 50s they they invented the, or someone came up with a the theremin and and you know like the theremin's an amazing piece of of electronics Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: like there's so many things used in horror scores now that people don't realize how simple a mechanism or
0: people don't realize what it could possibly be i know harry manfrindini uses children's toys and some strange stuff as well and that's some of my favorite sounds in the friday the 13th soundtracks or those uh just a shout out to jason goes to hell here there's a sound of that kid's toy that you turn upside down and goes. Oh, Yeah. Almost, yeah. I well, mean, that's exactly. the op- that's the opening of the. Jason goes to hell whenever it's that. And then whenever uh, Jason's chasing anybody in that movie, it's yeah. a metal rod against the chain link fence. Yeah. Ding. Ding it's, it's down from
1: all yeah. kinds of places it's, it's so cool oh.
0: i i just those are my favorite sound effects in any friday the 13th film of those two things it's yeah so
1: it's cool. an it's an amazing thing to work on those things because you you find sound in the weirdest of places well have you found a, anything like that alex or used anything like alex that? has a couple of tools that he'll show you <laughs> there we I was go when we get him to talk him into doing <laughs> that because he's got some great stuff for making scary sounds that you would never think make scary sounds
2: i am obsessed like i love toys that's why i love horror but this little thing i just got it the other day um it's called the micro marvin and it's like percussive instrument and it's like it's so cool and it just like i just used it on this recent score but it's it's pretty nuts (laughs) and and then i don't know if that's even coming through like well oh yeah and then like it has like bowing elements i love playing with metal um yeah it's just it's really i've got so many weird toys you have
1: like i don't remember what they call it but there's like a i've been wanting one forever there's a box that you can plug in almost like a guitar pedal and it's uh, it's got like springs and like nails and shit like that. You can bow them. You you know, they're really cool. Yeah. I think, <laughs> See, I know you had that too.
2: <laughs> I actually, I built this one. Um... No, there you go. That's yeah. The one. Yeah. So it's like it makes this like. It doesn't sound as great right now when it's not plugged in. I actually. Yeah, you
1: plug lot them lot. in, they sound incredible.
2: Yeah. Like I just. I'm ruining bows left and right. Also, I always get shit from violinists because they see how <laughs> messed up and tight my bows are, but I have to remind <laughs> them that, like, I'm bowing metal, not strings. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, no, hey, I... am bowing
1: a fucking violin.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I do have a violin, but I'm not good at it. <laughs> um, and I just got this other instrument the other day. It's a fretted cello. Um, Wow. So it's it's like, it's fretted like a guitar, which is perfect for someone like me who cannot play cello. And wow. I just got this like three days ago. So I'm like really still learning how to play it, but you bow it and it sounds like a cello, but you don't like, it's the precision and the notes that was hard for me to get on cello, but it sounds nuts. I'm still learning, I'm still learning. <laughs> Perhaps this wasn't the best way it's to not, show
1: No, it. that's the thing though. It's like I just I want to explain to people like the tool sets you use are just like there's a lot of unconventional stuff.
2: A lot of variety that, as well
1: that you pull sound from as well as all of the conventional
2: stuff. Oh yeah. I, I just let my friend borrow my water phone um for a score he's working on that sounds killer. Uh, my buddy Matt James. I would show you that, but he has it right now. Um it's in good hands. That guy's another good composer to look out for too. Um but uh yeah i've got tons of weird little toys that's what i like about horror is that like you can pull sounds from anything yeah like this score that i'm working on now um it deals with like oh i don't know if i can say what it is i'm t- I-, I won't say what the movie is about but i'm playing with like a lot of nautical sounds um hmm. like like foghorns and bells and i'm actually for like you know like certain low sounds like I'm actually using the sound of like boats sinking and like kind of using that in like musical ways. And it's just like, it's just fun to get these movies that inspire you to do weird things because you're producing sounds that frighten people because they don't know what the hell they are or they do subconsciously. Mm -hmm. And like, that's even creepier. I don't know. I love what I do. Yeah,
1: (laughs) It's, it's great. Like, I, I, I just love it because it was my first love anyways. Like sound and music were my first loves. Yeah, before I even got into effects. And I, I worked in a sound effects department uh, at Chameleon Studios in in Hollywood for some time. And um, I, I have to tell you, like we did the most weird shit for the ra- most random sounds, but the, like we had a full Foley stage. We well, had all kinds of everything you could think of just to make noises and make them convincing. So it's it's always been a passion of mine to like, Kind of get what you do in front of people, because I don't think people truly understand the art of sound in general,
2: oh yeah, and it's the possibilities are endless. Um, I kind of walk a fine line between like music composition and sound design. I think they can mm-hmm. go hand in hand. I don't want to step on the sound designers toes right um, I have in the past, um but they've been very kind about it, which is nice, but um I don't know i it's just that's why one of the first things I learned out here was from a, another a composer friend of mine. He'd been out he's been out here for like twenty years or so. Great, great guy, uh, Russ Howard, also another good composer. Um, he told me, you know, like you'll get pigeonholed in this industry. You know, just uh, prepare for that. So I decided to just pigeonhole myself, and I chose horror. <laughs>
1: And that's okay, because that's what you gravitate to anyway, right? You gravitate to the darker stuff. You you enjoy the darker stuff. Yeah. So so step me through some of the projects that you've done, and and let's talk about those.
2: And sure. Oh yeah. Back to Scream Queen. Okay. So that has like a very eighties sort of sound. Yeah. Uh, that was 80s, all
1: eighties synth sound, right?
2: Yeah. Yes. Very synthy. Um, which when I first started off, um, I got into kind of like that sort of like synth. Um, sound because it was the easiest thing to I think start with. It was the most affordable sort of thing before I even had all my like hardware synths. Um you know you could use like stock plugins and they sound pretty good. And I kind of learned my chops there before I could start like affording like, you know, like the really nice instrument samples like from Spitfire or Synth yeah. samples or all these other incredible places. Um, that score was a lot of fun. I made like a little sort of allusion to christopher young because he did the score to the original um nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's mm-hmm. not the original but the sequel uh where he played with like whale noises so mm-hmm. he was kind of like using that in the score and i can't remember the reason why but um i kind of tried to replicate that with like synth bends so it kind of sounds like that but it wasn't right. like the actual sound so just like little illusions like that um another score that i really had a lot of fun doing um i worked on it with uh, the producer was greg richling uh the music producer um it was called hunter's moon uh it was a werewolf movie uh with tom jane and uh i kind of pulled a lot from like tom waits um, oh yeah it so was like a lot of like weird stuff going on with like banjo like really odd percussion where i'm like literally just like hitting on like roots or sticks or something it just i wanted the sound to sound like it was coming like from the trees right so that was fun to do sort
1: Um, of a woodsy percussive sound yeah
2: yeah woodsy percussive and then i bought this like this resonator guitar that's over here but it's not strong at the moment um and so i had that really like kind of plucky kind of weird
1: very pumpkin head yeah yeah
2: Yeah. um that was just that was fun i kind of like doing those sort of I get more rural-sounding scores as well. Like, I'm a huge fan of uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and I love what Nick Cave is doing with Warren Ellis, you know, like, their score for The Proposition, or, you know, the the assassination of Jesse James, or even their stuff they just did for Dahmer, like, they're doing these, like, weird things. So I kind of, like, Hunter's Moon is kind of in that vein. It's, like, very, very organic. That is entirely organic, that score um Dreamcatcher was another really fun one to score since it took place in the world of edm um i wasn't really familiar with the genre of edm so i had to go to like my older sister and like ask her about like hey what can you give me like a crash course and she did <laughs> um, what about arkansas oh arkansas okay yeah that one was fun so i came in kind of like very late in the game for that one um because they they just needed to uh, a pretty large section of cues that had to kind of be reworked. Um, I think they brought in a composer named Devondra Barnhart, a musician rather, who, um, that was his first time composing for film. And I thought his work was great, especially for his first time, but there were just some cues that they needed to fix up. Um, So I came in, I really only had two weeks to do as much as I could, um, because I was flying back home, I think for a wedding at the time. So I brought in my buddy, Matt James, the guy who has my water phone, Um, and, uh, we, we both kind of tag teamed that, um, that was cool. It was, it's really cool seeing your music, like, you know, in front of like John Malkovich and Vince Vaughn and, you know, and, and it, it, not that like, I didn't have like faith in myself, but it's like, once you see your music with like, you know, like named people, um, like actors that you grew up loving, uh, it, and it sounds like it belongs there it was very um it meant a lot it it, it, uh it made me realize like oh yeah i'm doing this and then -hmm. i'm doing it well (laughs) i think it's it's a reassuring
1: feeling that that's what i everything right
2: yes and so that was cool um it was a it was a marathon um matt had to pick up the 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 last lap there because i had to leave a little earlier um i thank him for that every day uh, we both shared credit on that one, um, and it was it was fun. It's another sort of rural sounding thing, you know. Um, I don't think they're ever releasing the soundtrack, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, oh, Arkansas,
0: yeah. I got a question for you. Top five composers, no specific order. Go.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate. That there's no specific order. Um, Johan Johansson, obsessed. Obviously I love Mandy. This is from yes. the- <laughs> um, so that score was just like, you know, he really went back to like his like Swedish metal roots. Is he Swedish? Yeah. Okay, good, just making sure. Um, Johan's amazing. Um, obviously John Carpenter. I can't pretend like yes. he's just amazing. The Christine theme is actually my favorite amazing. of all his themes. It's fucking badass and like Amazing. I really like the new version on his anthology uh record. Um Man, this is tough. Uh, ben Wallfish. Ben Wallfish is doing some pretty amazing stuff. He's he has this way, like his his stuff is like really. He he's very like he, I'm trying to explain it. He's brilliant, but he's also experimental. Like at the same time, so like he's mm-hmm. doing these, like really ornate orchestrations, but then he's doing some really interesting production. Like if you listen to the Invisible Man soundtrack, incredible. Mm-hmm. Or if you listen to the It soundtrack, there's like. Beverly's theme is gorgeous. Like, I fucking walk down the aisle for my wedding to that piece. Uh, <laughs> and then you hear, like, the other hor- horrifying tracks from that same score, and you're like, this is the same crazy mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, Philip Glass. I love Philip Glass. Well, he's uh, good. Yeah. I love Candyman. One of my favorite t- scores of all time, not a horror score, is actually from The Hours. Philip Glass is just like, I listen to that anytime I fly because it calms me down because I hate flying. Um, so we got Philip Glass. We got John Carpenter, Ben Wallfish, Johan Johansson. Now I have to get a fifth person? Oh, man. <laughs> there's so many. It's so hard. There to are. Know. I mean, I could, uh, Bernard Herman, Danny Elfman, uh, yeah. Christopher Young. You know, there's so many. It's hard to. Man, it's hard to choose. If you guys brought one up, I would be able to talk about Zimmer's it. Zimmer's uh, pretty good. <laughs> Zimmer's well,
1: pretty
0: good. Here, I one got one good. for you. Claudio Simonetti.
2: Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I completely forget about Goblin entirely. How do I forget about Goblin, too? <laughs> like, yeah. The Suspiria soundtrack, the Tenebrae soundtrack is... Yes. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I, ooh. ooh, it's so good. It's I so good. I want to use a timpani so bad. I really. Is want there to do...
0: anything better than the first twenty minutes of Suspiria? No, 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 no yes, That
2: is cinema. That is so. That score is just so good too. I did a cover of it for like a a Halloween theme or like a a cover album of like horror scores, and I did the Suspiria thing. I think I did it justice. It's not as cool because no one can be as cool as Goblin, but I had a lot of fun doing that. What's I your really... thoughts
0: on the? Uh... The guy who did who did Rogue One in the new Batman movie, Michael
2: oh, Giacchino. Yes, I love him. I think yes. he's brilliant. I think he's kind of like he's kind of stepping into the 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 shoes of John Williams. Um, obviously, yes, stepping Absolutely. like doing like the um, this taking over the the Star Wars franchise. The Ro-
0: the Rogue One score took me by surprise, and then yeah. whenever he did Batman, that sealed the deal for me. I was like, this guy's great.
2: I remember the first time I heard that, that Batman theme for the new one. And yeah, I was like, ah, that's underwhelming. And then I kept like listening to it. I was like, oh my God, I get it. <laughs> it's yeah. like that one, a, dun, dun, dun. It, it, like, it's just different. You know, it's yeah. yeah, it works. It's kind of punk rock in its own way because it's so agreed, fun. and which makes sense for that type of Batman because. I actually, I love, I mean, I, I think it's not controversial to say that I love the new Batman because everyone <laughs> actually finally does, even though Robert Pattinson got a lot of shit because of Twilight, but. Yeah. What is it? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny. I couldn't tell what that was at first. I thought it was Jason Voorhees. Uh, that, um, but that's now, that, now that you pointed at it, yeah, <laughs> it's the Rither. Paul Dano, man. Yes. The, choice.
0: It's great stuff.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I love Giacchino. Uh very sweet guy, I met him a couple times actually uh, he has a very similar background to me um, he did not study film composition he actually studied being a director mm. as well um I think he i mean he also had to have studied music as well because his stuff is brilliant yeah. so do you
0: think you not being trained uh, uh, allows you to approach composing differently than a classically trained Composer, have you talked to other composers and they have a completely different way of doing things than you do? It's
2: oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. I think every composer kind of has their Oh, of course, yes, but I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate that question because I, yeah, definitely I approach things completely ass backwards and probably more complicated than yeah. I should be doing it. But uh, I think as a result, since I never really learned formally, um, I've had a lot of composer buddies tell me that like my stuff just sounds different it's produced different and it is, it doesn't sound not that, you know, having a formal training makes you formulaic at all. That is not at all what I'm saying. No. I, I, sometimes I feel like a fraud because I don't have that music theory background. You know, I can't just rattle down sheet music like that. Like John Williams can do when like in this bathtub, like I can't do that. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, totally. I approach things, uh, completely differently, you know, um, My primary instrument is guitar, so, like, I used to start off a lot of scores with that, and then I evolved from there. Um, You know, and I'm learning. Like, I'm still, like, kind of bringing in the more classical elements or more um, formal elements, and I'm trying to teach myself um, more formal things. I wish I had studied it, kind of, um, because I also really liked... I like having the film background because I can like working with directors is a lot easier because I know what they're going through. I kind of know what they want. Mm
1: -hmm. Right.
2: Um, I think I do. I hope I do. Um, I have never worked with a filmmaker only once. So I think I'm, I think I'm doing all right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I like that question a lot. What about
0: real monsters podcast? I see that listed. Uh, Can you talk about what you did with that show?
2: Uh, I I, honestly, I just did the, uh, the, theme for uh aj dana who if you guys don't know who he is he is like a brilliant voice actor he gets a shit ton of work and he's great um young guy too um but yeah i just did the theme for that he wanted something quick like podcast themes are you know it's quick to do you know especially Mm -hmm. for friends like he's a friend of mine so i you know I, i did a few revisions but uh yeah it's just sort of like i think we were kind of going for like a like a Tales from the Crypt sort of vibe, if I'm not mistaken. Sometimes I get my podcast themes a little confused. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love podcast themes because they're fun. It's like a little staple. It's branding. Yes. But, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. If there's, you know.
1: Nick? Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not so sure that, like, I, I agree that anybody that can go get an education on how to, you know, like formally compose or whatever. I think that's all just tools for the toolbox. I don't necessarily think, because much like me, like you don't have a formal training background.
0: I can say all three of us are doing I didn't have (laughs) a formal training background in
1: music. I didn't have a formal training background in effects. I didn't have a formal training background in any of it. And yeah, look at some of the stuff I've been able to work on. And
2: fucking blob. really,
1: really what it boils down to is, you know, it's, it's how you approach what you do and yeah. and people recognizing what you do as being good. It's that simple. Um, I, you know, I think you and I had that conversation recently where we were talking about uh, some things and I said, you know, I, cause I, I mix and master and yeah. remix some things for people sometimes. And, and, you know, I could have, I could have a $2 million studio with tons of equipment in it. And not know what the fuck to do with it to be honest with you yeah your best tools are right here
2: absolutely and another thing i kind of want you can't like learn taste you're just kind of born with your right. taste whether it's good or bad i mean subjective taste is also well subjective. It,
1: it is subjective but it's also it's also what makes every artist unique like you yes. approach things your own way so that makes you an artist because you have a unique sound and a unique methodology you draw from different different things just like i do with my you know the things that inspire me and that's what creates the perfect sound for you which you know may be different for somebody else but you know that's what puts your sound and makes it your sound is you're drawing from different areas yeah
2: yeah and uh, there is something to be said that you have to know the rules to break them, but I just kind of just break the rules <laughs> i'm I'm learning the rules, I'm learning the ropes. Um, a lot of, one good thing about the composer community, and I'm sure it's probably the same in the special effects community. Um, you kind of you you start and you're more guarded because you think that there's going to be this sort of competitive nature, but I'm not finding that with composers, especially like ones that are like learned. They're very giving. They're very nurturing. I'm sure you're the same way with people who reach out to you about special. I,
1: I try to be. I know that there are there are people in the community that are not. Um, oh I try oh to be yeah. Very open about it. I, <laughs> oh. I try to encourage anyone that wants to do it to do it, whether they right. go get a formal education or they just try and play around until they get it right. Sadly, gatekeeping gatekeeping exists everywhere. It
2: does. Oh yeah. It, I mean, it certainly does exist in in the composer world. I'm not saying it doesn't, but. Um, everyone's there like people do lend a hand if you ask for it uh, a lot yeah. of my really good friends are composers and my buddy matt he keeps coming up because we're he does a lot of horror too he kind of like fell into it and just happens to be really fucking good at it which makes me so <laughs> mad um, but like we're we're constantly pitching to the same stuff and you know like if i'm gonna lose out to someone i'd rather be a friend of mine
1: right mm-hmm.
2: absolutely so, so like it makes it makes the the hurt hurt less if you don't yeah
0: so let's get a little bit nerdy here uh (laughs) nick and i have always wanted to do this so let's talk more about equipment man i'm an equipment guy nick's an equipment guy do you use any effects pedals or anything i've got tons of
2: effects pedals Uh, what's
0: your newest piece of gear going on tj's
1: really gonna nerd out when he sees some of your toys
2: (laughs) what my newest pedal is I'm like surrounded by. Oh.
1: Mia's <laughs> a lot, TJ.
2: No, they're all around. They're all over the place. I love this. It's like this sort of delay, like altered delay pedal from Obscura. Okay. Uh, Digitech rather. Um and it's just like it gets these crazy like sort of like latencies and like you could like do these sort of like polyrhythmic things with your
1: guitar. Oh, okay. Oh, and have like super long delay times.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's nuts. You, I love that stuff because it's
1: like soundscapey. you know, you can really yeah. create soundscapes and stuff with it. I
2: love that. My one of my go-to reverb pedals um is this it's dusty. Uh Hall of Fame 2 um TC Electronics. I think it's kick ass. And the cool thing is if you look at these three little things here, mm-hmm. yeah, you can actually program your own settings you can go into their app and kind of make your own yeah
0: the tone print technology Uh yes Yes. the
2: tone print shit and i think that's so cool so i'm constantly i'm always rocking my third one that's why it's currently on there ah okay um and like the cool thing is like with all like the settings you can have there's really no like presets and that's Mm -hmm. what i like that's kind of why i really like i like not using presets when it comes to anything because then you end up sounding like everyone else um (laughs) Man, what else? I just got this one around my birthday, but I haven't used it yet. It's another. I love reverb. It's my go-to like effect. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, echo verb. I've not tried it yet, so I'll have to check it out. Maybe I can play with this cello. Um, well, the
1: studio, the studio I was in today had a had a Roland Space Echo. You're gonna have to come play with that.
2: That would be super cool. <laughs> I really want to get. Okay, what I'm really looking to get is. Um, oh, I just forgot the name of the. The pedal company name some pedal companies and i'll be like that's the one um
0: electro harmonics just came out with a new pedal
2: uh i love electro harmonics what well,
0: yeah. what is it uh the Hellmaster one which is essentially a boss hm2 with uh, with extra knobs you know how that's that's the thing right now you gotta cash in for all the metal heads right now that's uh, fair but yeah it's essentially an hm2 but yeah
2: oh. yeah i got the uh let me, let me grab it real quick yeah for sure I a few things that i like I love electro harmonics. I really, really, really need to get a new tremolo pedal.
0: I have the rip speaker fuzz pedal and that thing is gnarly.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. This I want that one. Didn't I you guess.
1: send me some sound files of that, TJ?
2: I did. It sounds completely. It sounds low. amazing. It's great. <laughs> it sounded amazing. I kind of match this one right now, the big muff. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like um it's is that it's, the
0: op amp one?
2: Yes, it's the op amp one. It sounds I mean. It's like the pumpkin one. It's it's very yeah. clearly model trying to model Billy Corgan sound, which I, I have about.
0: one that models a well, what, half of the the frequent well, half of the uh what am I trying to say? Half of it is a Russian green muff. Green is that oh, right? Yes. Yeah, um, and yes. Here, I'll actually enable my camera and I'll show you.
2: Bring it <laughs> on, baby.
0: From, uh, Does it doom? It's called the Elder God. It's for the band slomatics they don't have oh. a bass player so it's oh. i know the front end is a russian green muff and then the back end is another is like a distortion i think and oh, it's wow. and runs in parallel And it, it is gnarly on a bass guitar but it yeah. sounds even better through a normal guitar and i got this from my fiance for i want to say my birthday this year it is oh, nice. awesome
2: also congrats on the fiance
0: thank you (laughs) but if you can see it has like a like a norse like viking thing going on there
2: that's gorgeous i love pedal design man like if i were remotely artistic i would try to (laughs) design my own like look uh this is the soul food is just like a really good like
0: oh yes
2: it's just classic clean it's just it gives a nice tone i got a bunch of pedals i love them um i would love to just i really need tremolo i'd love to get like Mm -hmm. If I could design the perfect pedal right now, I would like to kind of basically emulate like the Ennio Morricone sound. I'm really into Westerns yes. right now. Yes. Um, so like a little tremolo and like a little reverb, and I, that would be so cool if they, if someone made a pedal that does both the way I like it. I have to look more. Um, oh, have you guys heard about that? Like the plasma pedal?
0: Yes, I've seen yes. The advertisements for them. Uh,
2: the game changer yeah. audio, I think. Yes. Um, I've not, I really want to try one of those. Cause like, at first I thought that little like light was just kind of like a gimmick. Yes, that, me too. <laughs> so, I thought so, but then I was reading more into it and seeing it. That's actually how it produces the sound. That's stuff so fluctuates. Gimmick. Yeah. That's like actually, Oh
0: like it, yes. that, the conductor,
2: <laughs> that's how it like is making that distortion. I'm like, that's cool. It's fucking gnarly. Yeah. But like, they're so like, I feel like it's such a niche thing that if anything goes wrong with the pedal and if the business goes out. Which I don't think it will because they're making some pretty cool shit. Oh yeah. Um who's gonna fix that? I don't know. I'm thinking long term, but I, I shouldn't. But it just <laughs> sounds gnarly. I don't know. It sounds cool. Or maybe it's just because like I'm like a guppy and I like shiny objects, but like <laughs> I, just, I want the plasma pedal. That would be killer.
0: Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I agree with you too. It definitely looked gimmicky at first. And then, like you said, you hear some of those sound samples and you're like, ah, maybe it's not. It's, (laughs) it's definitely cool. Uh, Nick, do you have any final questions, man?
1: Well, I, I, you know, we got up through screen queen and and stuff and some of the Mm -hmm. projects you've worked on. I know you and I have some, some fun secret things in the works. (laughs) Campfire. Uh, I, I, well, not just that we have much more.
2: Yes. I, um,
1: I, although yeah. now now I need to get you out here because I need to take you over to Electric Shop and show you the space because they have enough space for us to record strings and and all kinds of fun things. And I may be helping them put an Atmos room in.
0: Oh, we could talk about ghosts. Let's talk about ghosts real quick with Unknown yeah. Dimension. Uh, that's okay. pretty neat. I've seen all of those movies in theaters, these uh, paranormal activity films, and you composed the documentary about I did. them. Uh, what was that
2: experience like man oh that was odd um i i loved it so i originally got hired on by the producer anthony massey who i just fucking adore the guy is just he's a sweetheart (laughs) and he's just one of the nicest dudes um and i met the director joe also a very sweet guy they um anthony was kind of hoping i was going to do something kind of like scream queen like which is kind of what i wanted to do more like Flowing with the narrative, kind of light, sad at points, blah blah blah. Um, but um, is his name Joe? Oh my gosh! Now I feel now I feel like a jackass. But anyway, um, the director he had a completely different idea for it's the school. It's Joe. Okay, good. Okay, Joe. Ugh, sorry, Joe, if you're listening. I feel like a dick, but I've just worked with like twenty thousand directors over the last few years. <laughs> um, that's a, obviously a misstatement, but. Um, he wanted to do something more like stripped down super sound design based like Mm -hmm. any hint of a melody he just wanted gone um it was and i didn't realize that until about like the 16th revision of the first cue where i'm just like oh he just wants like tones he just wants tonal work which is fine and i've done that before um but it was really cool working on that because like, I, I'm a huge sucker for found footage films. I love it. I fucking love. Oh, yeah. Which I love. <laughs>
1: yeah. You
2: know, um, Lake Mungo.
0: Cloverfield. Uh, Cloverfield is incredible. They're making it Cloverfield 2 right now, I heard.
2: Interesting. Okay. Yes.
0: And it's, it's not part of the weird spinoff films either.
2: Okay. I mean, I love Cloverfield Lane. Yes, um, the third one lost me a little bit. I, I like the concept. And it had that one
0: cool scene with the lady <laughs> in the wall.
2: <laughs> that was cool. That was cool. And I like the cast, and it looked great. Um, but yeah, man, I just I loved it. So like, getting a chance to like work on like the documentary was like, it was a dream come true. If you would have told me I was going to be doing that like ten years ago, I'd be like no way. Like that's it's just <laughs> cool. It was, it's cool because it's like yeah. I mean, it's like when I was doing a signing with like Mark and all the people from like this, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street thing, like it was me and like a bunch of people from the entire franchise. And Mm -hmm. Mark kind of like just leaned over and whispered. He's like, hey, like, you know, you're kind of part of the Nightmare on Elm Street legacy now. And I like, I fucking, I didn't sob immediately, but I sobbed later. I was like, oh my God, that's (laughs) I didn't even think about that. And it's like. I mean, it's a small fraction, obviously. I don't act like I'm not, you know, but it it meant a lot to hear that. And in a way, I'm kind of sort of involved with the Paranormal Activity franchise, kind of. Um, You know, I'd like to be more directly involved in both of them. Whoever's making the new Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, (laughs) uh, But uh, God, that would be a killer thing to score. That would be fun. A new Nightmare on Elm Street. I would love that. Anyway, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I ramble.
1: No, no, you're good. Uh, I, I might have some things to talk to you about soon, then, because <laughs> there's more going on. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So so to to kind of wrap this up a little bit, I'd like to try to like if any of our audience like want to get into uh, scoring or or what you do, like what would you what what advice would you give?
2: Oh, man, that is a tough question. Um, Don't think that you have to move to L.A. immediately, um, but also don't be afraid to do it if you're going to. I know that's that's conflicting advice. Um, Especially now after the pandemic, I've noticed like a lot of people remotely are getting work. Um, So you can start from anywhere. Um, One of the biggest things I would say is if you are writing for an orchestral palette but you don't have an orchestra um i would that's tough to do um don't try to make it sound organic when it it isn't um just kind of embrace the artifice that's kind of what i did when i first started i think that's why i gravitated more towards synthetic scores like synth based scores um because you know if you're just starting out like no one's going to hire you to write for an 80 piece orchestra unless you get Mm -hmm. really lucky you know, I'm not saying it can't happen. Um, so just write to the budget that you have, um, and if you're thinking about getting into it and you're worried that you don't have formal training, you don't need it. Um, it helps, and you can still learn along, along the way. But don't be intimidated by a lack of formal knowledge. Um, if you play guitar, there's a gateway. If you just play piano, there's a gateway um or like colin stetson if you play those large weird woodwind instruments (laughs) that's your way and also he's another one of my favorite composers um yeah uh you know just don't be afraid to jump in and you can do it from wherever
1: yeah yeah the tools the tools are relatively available yes you can get you can get free tools you can get i mean there's just so much out there Mm -hmm. uh that you know i've even learned that there's so much more available than i ever thought was oh yeah and uh you know you can get your start with just about anything
2: exactly yeah if
1: don't, you're passionate about it pursue it
2: yeah you have to otherwise you're going to regret it i don't know what i would have done if i didn't move out here and five stumble my way into my career but still
1: <laughs> well it's funny cuz i you know i tell a very similar story people ask how i got into it and i literally fell into it it wasn't yeah it wasn't some planned path. I had a totally different path planned and I sort of fell into that. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it it can be as simple as that. And you find your niche and you go with it. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. that's, that's what I've got. And that's where I'm, that's where I came from. So, yeah. so it's nice. It's nice to see that you've done the same thing. And it's, uh, you know, I think it's good for people to understand that they don't necessarily have to come from this crazy educated background where they have to, you know, shell out all kinds of money to to show a certificate or show or show, a, you know, some kind of piece of paper that says that they can do something. Um, because I don't believe that that's necessarily the only way to do it.
2: It's not the only way. That's a good way to put it. Um, definitely helps. It can help. But it you can don't help have to do it um, you
1: know it can it can help sort of pave the way, but it doesn't necessarily give you the free tickets, you know
2: exactly, yeah, uh, for sure yeah, your so, work
1: your work is your work, whether yeah. it comes from an educated background or not, and your work has to speak speak for itself,
2: yeah, just try to sound like yourself, that's another thing too don't try to imitate someone there's a lot of people that are trying to sound like hans right now we don't we we have one hans and he's doing his sound incredible you don't need to don't impersonate find your find your niche find your sound
1: it's great it's great to be or aspire to be as good as hans but you don't need to be hans we already have hans
2: exactly (laughs) yeah thank you guys for having me on man this has been great
1: Actually, thank you very much for sharing your story with us because I, I I really enjoy that you first of all were willing to come on the show and do that, and um you know we we really want to foster creativity and we hope that that's what that's what the show will do is is foster creativity in people and help them understand what it takes to get them there, and and that it's not always this crazy education even though that is a definitely always if you can do it do it. It's Mm -hmm. more tools for your toolbox, Mm -hmm. but you can come from anywhere. And if you're passionate enough about something, you can always do it. Yeah, exactly.
0: And with that being said, that was another episode of hypodermic, the pod that sticks you deep. Thank you again, Alex, for joining us on this wonderful episode. You said a lot of cool things, talked about all the cool things. And I hope you keep doing. Yes, for sure. I hope you keep doing all the cool things. For years to come, you're a very talented man, and I appreciate the work you do. And I appreciate all you listeners for tuning into Hypodermic, ten thousand strong and growing every day. Catch more podcasts just like this on ProjectLouder.net. There's a plethora of shows out there, and you can listen on all the podcast platforms: Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and so much more. But I've been the pod boss, TJ Bowser. That's been Nick Benson. That's been Alex Taylor. I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye
1: bye bye bye.